Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, Joey, welcome to Cut for Times. Hey, it's good to be back. Um, well, yeah, you've had a whole streak here, so, and it will continue next week. Yes, this is third in a row. Yes. Um, I top out at four, and then I tap out and let Jeff take over for a while. Are you preaching so many in a row just because of the way, like, your schedule's worked out, or is it because of the way the passages are grouped and it made sense for you to kind of tackle all the same types of passages with mm-hmm. these main themes running through? How did you guys do that? Yeah, actually, it was mostly based on schedules. So uh, Jeff was planning on being in Ukraine teaching a class at Kiev Theological Seminary. And so he was going to be out of the country last Sunday and the Sunday before. So yeah, by default, um, I got him. And then, you know, the passages are so tightly wound together. It's really nice to be able to tackle all those themes at once. But uh, mm-hmm. um, Jeff ended up teaching the class, but remotely through Zoom from here. So um, yeah. he, he was around and got to be here for it. But yeah, that was a sign based on schedule. Well, but it I out. next week, maybe I'll have you take all four, consider all four passages since you're saying they are so closely connected. Maybe oh, yeah, one that'd be fun. Overview. Okay. Um, or, you know, one thing to keep in mind of like, what's the big picture that we take away from that set of? Yes, I already know the answer. Live by the spirit and work it out in the life of the, the family. And that's unique to these four sermons that you've preached. It's not necessarily what's come before or after. Um, well, that's, that's a really good question. No, it's not necessarily unique. Um, I, I guess I'll nuance it a little bit more because he's already referred to, you know, the spirit of God's son in us and, and all that, you know, what you began by the spirit, you don't complete by the works of the flesh. I would say Paul is telling them that the solution to their unique problem of division and disunity and misunderstanding of what the gospel is, um, is a doctrinal you need to understand what the gospel really is and b you need to live out that gospel um, through the power of the spirit and it's the second part that he's shifted to here in chapter five and on of there's problems in this church the solution once we get the gospel thing figured out which is big once we get that figured out then we need to live by the spirit we don't just kick each other out we grow together because of the spirit mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks. Um, I yeah, guess there you go. already ready for that. I, was gonna I guess so. Prepare. Do you feel like it would still be helpful to go ahead and recap your sermon from Sunday, yeah. Joey? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, do you want me to jump right in? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So the question from this last Sunday, this is the pastoral response to the previous passage. Okay. There's works of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. You need to choose to live by the fruit of the spirit, live by the spirit. This is what Paul is saying is the solution for the problems in the church. Well, the immediate question you ask after that is, okay, but we're going to do that. What do we do with the people who decide they don't want to? And Paul immediately shuts the door on, you don't just kick them out. You don't just push them out. You walk with and walk alongside the people who are trying to figure out what this means. Now there's a role for, and there's a place for sort of the final separation from a destructive person who's giving full reign to the flesh and actively trying to destroy the church that they're part of for some reason or another. But long before you get to that sort of nuclear option, there's lots of positive encouragement, positive admonition that 
that can help prevent that from going nuclear. And this is what he's telling us we need to do. So my kind of main summary of this was that in, in the family, in the family of the Messiah, no one walks alone. We always and all, all of us always walk with others because we care about how the person next to us is growing in Christ. There you go. And Sermon in a enough, nugget shell. Is it enough for someone to say, oh, I'm walking with, you know, my family and like, oh, I walk with, um, you know, my husband, you know, yeah. is, that, is that enough for people? To, or do you, are you saying it's not? We need um, a whole community of believers united together who are invested in each other's lives. Yeah, I, I'm saying we need the whole community because look at any family you know and you can you can see that family walking by and you're like mm, those four you know the two parents two kids whatever two parents kid um two parents 17 kids one parent one kid a person on their own whatever the family shape is you know it's very easily or it's very easy when you're in your own family bubble everybody starts to look and act like each other and in some ways the our little weirdsies are get self-reinforced within the family bubble and you don't even realize that you're doing something odd or off or, or, or weird or sinful, whatever you want to call it, or whatever, wherever it is on the spectrum, until yeah. that family bubble bumps up against another family bubble. And you're like, oh, we're different. What do you do with that? Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'd say um, yes. And it's definitely possible to attend a church and attend a church for a long time and choose to not be invested in that way never come into close enough proximity right yeah yeah i mean yeah. the church is a family of families and so it has all that yeah those same things it takes effort it takes mm -hmm. openness it takes some spiritual insight and the ability to not only see what others need but see what you yourself need um and that's not easy yeah and i'd also just like to uh go back to what you said weirdsies Yes. I can't like let that just ha go by without mentioning. Everybody it. has their own little weirdsies. Oh, I think I, I'm i sure I heard someone else use that <laughs> in the past. Yep. Oh, it's great. I thought maybe I heard you wrong. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, I don't know what else it would have been. So mm -hmm. cool. Weirdsies. Addie, um, Addie agrees with me. She likes it. Yeah. Just um, cheering in the background. Yeah. Her videos, weirdsies. Okay. Um, so, all right, Joey, was there anything that you felt like, you know, you wish you could dive into if you had more time for your sermon or something you came across yeah. in your prep that you would like to share for Cup for Time? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, normally we don't spend a lot of time talking about Greek grammar, at least not in the sermon itself, you know, without the nerd alert clacks on on the morning, it, it it's, gets awkward. So I'll save the, the Greek grammar stuff for something like Cut for Time. I mean, it's interesting to look at the verbs in chapter six and verses one through 10, all of the action verbs that either the things were that are were being described as being done or being commanded to do, they they tend to go back and forth between plural and singular, right? So Galatians 6, 1, you know, if anyone is caught in any transgression, then you who are spiritual should restore them. That's a plural verb. You all, um, you the whole who are, who are spiritual. Um, but then keep watch on yourself is singular. It brings it back down to the individual bear one another's burdens, expands it again to the plural of we all do this on behalf of each of us. And then back down to if you think you're something when you're not, that's singular again. And each one tests his own work. That's all singular. And then each will have to bear his own load. That's all singular. In the next passage, it expands again to, or it stays singular for a bit uh, with 
paying teachers for their work. And then it expands again to plural on how does the whole church do good with their money and their resources. But I mean, what I find fascinating about it in this is that Paul is, you know, imagine um, he writes like a preacher in a lot of ways. So you can imagine him writing and saying to, you can imagine him speaking to a group, right? Hey, brothers, sisters, if any one of you is caught in a transgression and then he spreads his arms out and he's like, you all, you, any of you, you all who are spiritual, led by the spirit in the context, should restore that one person in a spirit of gentleness, you know, from, from narrow to wide to narrow again, you it, restore that person. But, and it's almost like he's, you know, looking at us individually, but keep watch on yourself. Not you all keep watch on yourselves. It's you individually keep watch on yourself lest you also be tempted, but you all need to bear each other's and everyone else's burdens. It keeps, it, it keeps narrowing and expanding and narrowing and expanding, I suppose, like a homiletical accordion. <laughs> Good. I like that. Yeah. You like that? I just made that up right now. Yeah. yeah that's great. Um, so it keeps going from, from what's the community responsibility, but how does it work out? And, and the reason that's important is anytime something is directed at a community, it's very easy for us to think, well, I don't need to worry about that. I'm off the the hook. Um, someone else is going to do it. Like the classic, you know, they teach you in CPR training, like never say someone call 911 because everyone will think someone else did. You point at a person and say, you call 911, right? Mm -hmm. So that an individual knows they have the responsibility. And so that, that's part of what I think Paul's getting at here is, um, okay, here's a community thing, but y'all individually, you are each responsible for this. And so that command keeps narrowing back in on individuals in order to keep reinforcing. No, this isn't, this isn't just a someone will do a thing. This is, a, we all do this. Each of us does this ourselves thing. Yeah. And have we seen this in other passages that we've studied in Galatians yet? Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure I could pull back up uh, a quick one. Um, because my Greek is too rusty for me to quickly skim and find plural verbs and singular verbs next to each other. But I remember, I remember a passage where there was that same accordioning effect and I can't remember which one it was. So we'll let the listeners explore for themselves and find it. Okay. It's a good challenge. <laughs> yeah. You're encouraging us in your sermon to um, live closely with people, walk closely in community, even when it's uncomfortable, even if that means mm -hmm. that people see our sin and are going to ask us hard questions. Um, tell us maybe like, would you be willing to tell us of a time or, you know, some relationships that you have in your life that um, hold you accountable and like the fruit that comes from that, even when it's tricky and um, has like helped you to grow in your faith? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the closest relationship where this happens is with my wife. Um, cause she sees, you know, she sees what I'm like on stage on a Sunday morning and she sees what I'm like Sunday evening when I'm grumpy or whenever, or when I'm selfish, you know, so she sees all of it and can ask, um, how those things are lining up in reality. Um, which is never fun to hear, but it, it's always good. It's a gift because it points out that, Hey, I'm, not, I'm not following, I'm not walking with the spirit at this point. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm giving into the, the, the works of the flesh, just the selfishness of it. But um, even beyond just that, that relationship, you know, there's other guys, of course, in my life, there's other uh, elders at faith, um, 
you know, I, I try to, Jeff and I both with our 20 odd elders, you know, we split the group in half and we each try to meet with everyone in our group one-on-one at least once every six months or so. And almost every single one of the guys, when I sit down with them, like I'm, I'm there to, Hey, I'm, you know, I want to pastor you. How are you doing all that stuff? And that's why I'm there to ask them questions. And they almost always ask, how are you, how are you really doing? Um, which is a difficult question, but yeah. getting asked the question is a gift. I mean, it forces you into, into honesty and then they can ask more questions. And it's usually that kind of open-ended question that tends to, to pull out more of the, the real truth. Um, mm-hmm. And there's other guys, there's another older gentleman here, um, not an elder that I meet with monthly and he knows he can ask any question that he wants. And he will, he will say things like, Hey, that you did a really good job there on that. Good job talking. How are you living that? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and things like that. So, um, it's, it, it's a, I keep saying it's a gift and it is, um, because without it, without this sort of, I don't know, maybe I should use the analogy of like the body's immunity, natural defense system, right? You, you got to build up these immunities in your body in order to reject the stuff that's going to, going to harm or kill the body. And, um, other men and women in my life asking these type of questions and pointing things out, that is the, the church's body's immune system, Mm -hmm. uh, keeping Mm -hmm. us healthy. Mm -hmm. So for me and for all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, is there ever a time though, where you are like, oh man, I'm not looking forward to, uh, this meeting with this person because I'm afraid of what they're going to bring up or every time, (laughs) (laughs) every time, every time I'm like, all right, gird up your loins. This is going to be, we're going into battle. No, it's not that bad. Um, But no, well, I mean, there's something intimidating about knowing that you're, you're about to sit down with somebody and they, they expect honesty and they return the favor. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's humbling because when you're on a stage, you can largely control the narrative and the, the, you can control what people see and hear and don't see. And, but when you're one-on-one with someone and they're looking at you and they're, they can sit there and be quiet until you talk. Uh, it's a different platform. It's a different type of place to be in it. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I appreciate you sharing and being uh, honest with uh, your spiritual walk information and how these relationships support you. And we're thankful to have pastors who are willing to go through the uncomfortable things to be able to be, like you said, like refined Mm -hmm. and, you said in the sermon, like we've all heard of a story of a church where a pastor wasn't willing to hear about that, like hear criticism um, or be mm-hmm. able to take it. So it's a gift to our church that our pastors are humble and um, willing to learn and be teachable. So we appreciate that. Oh, thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.